2: is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage.
0: from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What
2: economy are you talking about? It's about. time
0: for Mortgage
2: Matters. Mortgage
3: Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being with us this fine March 8th. We got Dan back in the studio, so welcome back. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> I was expecting applause, but then I realized it's just the three of us. No, I was... <laughs> <laughs>
4: there we
5: that's, go. Uh, that's
3: Dad's the kind of back. fanfare. Dad's that that back. That's that's pretty substantial applause from I've, one person. I'm quite impressed. I, I? I would have if I was blindfolded, I'd have thought that was at least two people. <laughs> Fantastic clapping. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay, we're done. Now we Yeah. I, that's a tough act to follow. Well, hey, uh, what were you doing? How come we missed you? Why weren't you here? Well, um, just because four is a crowd. Yeah, I think that was it. Yep. I think it was just it was my week to have a week off. Yeah.
5: Will was a great fill in. Yeah, Will, Will does a good job on the radio. I was impressed. I listened. I did listen to the show. Most of it anyway.
3: What a snore. I thought it was good. <laughs> Except for when you called him old. Well, I mean, I gotta take my little jabs at him when I can. There's, there's not many other angles to work with that guy, and you know. <laughs> plus the humor is that he's like not very many years older than me. Hey, so there was a Jobs report yesterday. Did you hear about it?
5: Yeah. Yeah. We it's, yeah. We talked about it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I I almost forgot I saw you yesterday. <laughs> Come on, Dan, work with me here. All right. I brought a I brought a handful of things to talk about today. It's kind of a, a wild little week. Um different little pieces of data that came out. And shockingly, I gotta say a lot of it, I guess, seemed like decent news, didn't it? Relatively speaking, yeah, I think so. I mean, housing housing's st- kind of a little bit of a drag lately and um people kind of looking to see what's going to happen there but um i thought talk a little bit about locally because i had experience this week with about five witnessing about five different offers happen on houses around the county and um still multi-offer situation um the several that i know got into escrow this week were um one was over list price um and two more were list price uh no discount because there was other people that were ready to pay. Um so it's that from that respect it still seems like there's quite a bit uh of real estate activity. Trouble is is there's just not enough houses listed yeah, for sale. I was
5: gonna say demand is is definitely strong still and it's, it's easy to see why when prices, I think, are still what they feel lower than what we've seen, you know, in the last 10 years. And rates are still incredible.
3: And everyone tells you that the prices of these homes are, are going only, to go up. Right. That they have to go up.
5: Yeah. It, what was interesting this morning, actually, in the in the newspaper, in the real estate section of the newspaper, um, I saw a very – I saw an ad that I've never seen before. A realtor took out an ad in the newspaper this morning, sell saying, your house, saying, "I have a qualified buyer looking for this these features in a home. If you have a home like this and are even thinking about selling, contact me. I've got a pre-qualified buyer with a hefty down <laughs> payment ready to buy."
3: That's pretty good.
5: Generally here you see houses being listed and looking for buyers. This is a buyer looking for a seller and, and going so far as to take out an ad.
3: That That's the part that impresses me because generally speaking, a house is um, advertised at the expense of the real estate agent because they've got um, you know an exclusive right to sell. And that means they're going to get some income at some point that's gonna justify some of these expenses that they've fronted somebody working with a buyer has really, the only way they're going to make money is if if that buyer procures a house where they're paid commission and, and ultimately stays by them the whole time, right? I mean, so must have some pretty good confidence in that. Um, but yeah, that's interesting to shell some money out for somebody um, where there really is no guarantee. Do you wanna share who the realtor was or do you remember? um i don't remember off the top of my head it's a pretty awesome service yeah i would say <laughs> you know yeah huh it's i like it. it it just goes to show you that there are people that are wanting to buy quite badly and not able to find what they're looking for
5: yeah and that's something that we've talked about a lot in the office and outside of the office in the last several weeks um you know th- you talk to any realtor in the county and they'll tell you there's roughly three to four months supply of housing um, which would which would indicate several hundred homes on the market um, in our local community but I, i'm convinced that a, that a majority of those homes are have been on the market and they're stale for a reason there's either some
3: lendability issue or just real some kind obsolescence of obsolescence kind
5: of thing going on yeah you have
3: next to, to a really weird property or something there's right. always little things <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i was Talking to a, a young first time homebuyer couple I was working with this week, and they were, they've been looking for months as they're gathering savings and getting their plan together. And we're looking at everything online, and then said that their um, realtor said, Okay, it's time to go see some of these in person because they had identified like three or four that they really liked because they looked like a good value. You know, oh, yeah, I could be AG in that part of town, go down there, and it's like, uh-uh. The <laughs> pictures are taken from a, a great angle. Yeah, They capture only the right things. Just outside of the frame there is like the stuff they don't want you to see. <laughs> and then you get down there and look at it and you're like, now it makes good sense why this thing is not only a value, but, or, you know, at least in terms of, you know, price of what it would get in a normal neighborhood or with normal features or whatever. Um, but, but just, also why it's been sitting long enough that you got that much time to think about it oh yeah um most of the houses that we see around the county still if they're fairly priced in the the mid price range are lasting um days if if weeks on the market they're going quick so yeah it's i think still a decent time to sell yeah,
5: I, I think so. I think gotta call it a seller's market, right? Easily a seller's market when you're when you're talking about you know accepted offers over list price and multiple offers. It's definitely a seller's market. Um, I th- I think it's actually less so here in this county than it is in the bigger cities where it's really still a frenzy, very very competitive. Here you actually have a fighting chance to get your offer accepted. Yeah.
3: Um, so yeah, it's. if if
5: you're in the market to sell you should this little
3: housing frenzy and this you know recent turnaround in in property values having stabilized and began going up a little bit over the last few years um i thought this was pretty interesting thing here um the ceo of freddie mac his name's donald layton um made a statement in regards to recent profitability that freddie mac posted um, in the fourth quarter of 2013. And by the way, Freddie Mac posted $8.6 billion in net income for the fourth quarter, which took profits near $50 billion on the year. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good chunk of change, right? Uh, Fannie Mae, $84 billion on the year. Likewise profitable. For um, last
5: year, for 2013.
3: Yeah, okay. yeah. and <laughs> That's both, a
5: heck of a start
3: to this. Year. <laughs> <laughs> that would be remarkable. Both have fully paid back now the uh, funds that the, the Treasury injected into them and are still wondering, you know, what are you supposed to do with them? How can you be eager to wind up and dissolve companies that are making $50 billion a year profit? Yeah,
5: especially when we're, oh, about – 23 days from another quarterly right. um, quarterly payment from those guys.
3: So Donald Layton, CEO, um, warned observers not to expect uh, Freddie Mac's income to remain at this path. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting because it, as as you get rid of these legacy issues, um, those loans that people were not paying on and they, they got to figure out whether they're going to short sale or foreclose the amount. The foreclosures and short sales have been falling um, for the last couple of years now. He says that the levels of income are not sustainable. Several legacy items were very strongly favorable in 2013, but it's our expectation that the peak of recoveries from the re- recession has now passed. And the first time I read that earlier in the week, I thought, that's interesting. The peak of the recovery from the recession has passed that's a strange way to say last year may have been as good as it gets in terms of like the strength and fever and profitability of this company. And now it'll probably still be profitable, but it's the volume slowing. It's not going to be gangbusters the way it was. So the, the peak of it is over. And then I saw a couple of, um, statewide, uh, foreclosure things that sort of showed, um, I almost want to say not not like a bell curve, but it showed basically how like foreclosures kind of were high and then fell a little bit in the last year and now are creeping back up a little bit. I was going to say, I've,
5: I mean, just anecdotally, I've noticed more buyers um, purchasing homes that are either in a short sale or foreclosure situation than maybe in the last six to 12 months strange huh yeah it does seem like more of those distressed sale properties are leaking out onto the market and i don't know if it just took this long for them to get through the process or if the bank has been sitting on them for some reason i'm, I'm not really sure what's going on that
3: shadow inventory <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. we were warned of and
5: never saw right <laughs> yeah. i i wouldn't call it a shadow because when i when i thought of the shadow inventory i thought of a glut of homes that we're going to pop on and it's it's a leak. It's it's yeah. the faucet's
3: dripping. Well, the way the shadow inventory was discussed, it was like talked about in a way that should scare you. Right. When these 3 million homes or whatever the crazy number was hits the market all at once, the world as we know it will change forever. And then it was like But there were plenty of people suggesting there was no such thing as shadow inventory and it was the alarmists just trying to scare us again about something else to worry about. I don't know. um... Yeah. I don't think there's, there's anything to worry about with respect to distress sales.
5: I I think if anything, those are the the deals that may present the most opportunity for um, maybe an investor or a flipper or something like that to come on and make a quick
3: buck. Oh, you want to hear another fun thing about quarter four real estate? Sure. Equity lines, home equity line of credit, the second liens that um were so popular back when um we had the my home is an ATM mentality. <laughs> equity lines um in the fourth quarter surged by like forty eight percent to a hundred and eleven billion. By forty eight percent, yeah.
5: So they went from originating 10 equity lines to 15 or something. Well, the reality
3: <laughs> is, is that equity lines that were doled out over the first three quarters of the year um, totaled 58 billion. It's not a ton. But then the in the fourth quarter there, as you remember, there was that was when all the the appreciation talk was happening. Oh, 12 percent a year. Um, and then it it essentially doubles in the fourth quarter up to 111 billion. I I tried to look up what the equity lines were back in the day, the cash outs and all that. The volume, you mean dollar volume? Yeah, it's hard to have a good grasp on what that number is, but um, it it seems with with a little bit of um, looking here, somewhere in like the 800 billion a year range. Of, of people signing up to take equity out of their home so it's roughly five six seven percent of of that right and you know <laughs> that i mean you can tell that's true yeah you talk to most people today whether they have the home they hung on to generally it's because they didn't take equity out of it right they they never jeopardized their position or or compounded their loss of equity by worsening their spot or they bought since then, and just it has never occurred to them that they're going to take cash out of it. Well,
5: the rules are different too. Yeah, you know, even now today, I mean, there are equity lines or fixed second liens available. Um, they're limited to eighty. In some cases, maybe as high as ninety percent loan to value. I not like you can any... get up to a hundred. Remember the old one twenty five? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't
3: seen any going to ninety lately. Um, that being said. I don't really follow the equity line of credit thing very much um, it's funny and in fact I guess p- perhaps a good radio show conversation here um, as a as a broker and direct lender we have the the loan product offerings of how many I always say 50 banks how many banks is it really is it 50 it's 48 or 50 or something it's a lot There were a lot of banks that were approved to sell their loan products. For whatever reason, um, almost none of them are offering us the ability to sell their home equity line of credit. Yeah, there's like two. That I can think of, and the and those that have it, it's like a. But you have to do the first with us, and they're terrible at the first, right? So usually it's a
5: purchase transaction that they're
3: offering those in. Yeah. it's
5: very the if you're trying to just take equity out of your home, it's so a very why conservative do you
3: suppose guideline. that they would not allow a company like us to be selling equity lines on their behalf because they really don't want them. Because it's not a good channel for those type of loans well, to be I originated.
5: Think, I think the companies that don't allow us to sell them don't offer them at all. Sure, there, there's there, I think there's literally only a couple of companies out there um, that are even interested in in entertaining a second lien, and they they really are trying to limit it just to a purchase money transaction as an alternative to a. Uh, you know, a, a single loan with mortgage insurance.
3: Yeah, I I know that. I mean, I've seen that talked about recently too. For example, I, I had a deal recently where I was competing with Wells Fargo. My borrower had a 10% down payment, and um, my proposal because he had really good credit and everything. My proposal was a a Fannie Mae loan with more borrower paid mortgage insurance. So this is a mortgage insurance that would stop. At some point um, no upfront cost just a monthly cost until he had the equity Um, by the way on that program it considers market appreciation as part of when you can cancel that mortgage insurance the representative from Wells Fargo was talking him into a home equity line of credit um, for that other 10% instead of the mortgage insurance and I, I guess there's different schools of thought to it. My big complaint about the um, home equity line of credit is that they're variable. And oftentimes the interest rates cap at 24, 23.99%. And I don't know that rates are going to shoot up dramatically in coming years. But Well, you're not getting
5: an equity line that's prime plus zero anymore. The, no. Generally, those second liens and equity lines of credit are starting in the 7% range or higher. So, yeah, it's
3: so if and when rates do I begin still have to go up,
5: those equity lines that was
3: a, a prime plus zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so when these things do go up, though, this guy goes from seven percent to nine percent or 12 percent or something, and all of a sudden, then kind of wrangling an increasing payment. And what I don't want to ever see happen to somebody like that is at that, if rates go up like that, and that second goes from seven to 12 you know the first liens have gone up too, right? So then he comes in begging to redo the first just to stop the variable nature of the second. And the first, oh, that great loan from 2014, that mere 4.5% 30-year fixed, is no longer offered. It could be 6%. And now you have to give up a lot of interest savings and a really good loan to have to have to be able to go get fixed on all of it. So those kind of things, I still think make the equity line pale in comparison, but doesn't it boil down to salesmanship? That's the thing I was struck by. And I was frustrated by that. Um, Hey, we do uh, want to invite you guys to call in if you'd like to ask a question. The number is five four three eight eight three zero five four three eight eight three zero. Go ahead and take a phone call here from Greg. Good morning, welcome to Mortgage Matters.
6: Hi, guys. Hey there. I'm enjoying your show as usual this morning. Got a question for you, okay. Greg Astle, by the way. Um, you're talking about uh, the, you know, today's inventory, and or lack thereof, and. The the sort of uh, uh, seems to be quite a few buyers out there that are interested in participating, but the but the the inventory is lacking somehow. But my question for you has to do with what what impact did uh, last year's increase in interest rates have? Did you guys see clients who were contenders, maybe first time home buyers or people that were kind of focusing on the low end? Did they? Did any of them get knocked out of the box by the combination of, you know, 10% appreciation plus interest rates rising a point last year?
3: Yeah, definitely. There, I, I definitely had some clients where we had some, you know, interest rates gone up and I had them back on the phone or in the office to share with them that the change in the interest rate environment had had an impact on their affordability. Generally speaking, when we pre-qualify somebody, um, they usually qualify for more than they feel comfortable paying every month. But oftentimes we get these, uh, home buyers in that they're, they've got optimism that the job is going to pick up or they're going to get promoted or the wife's going to go back to full time. And there's some reason that, um, they expect an increase of income and, and are willing to borrow on the high side of what's allowed. Now, that rule of thumb today is about a 45% debt to income ratio. So you take somebody that has a, you know, whatever the income is, divide that out by the 45%. And then you can say, Oh, well, you're allowed to have a house payment. That's $2,900 a month. Well, there's three parts to that it's the loan amount it's the interest rate and it's the payment so if the interest rate goes up then doesn't the loan amount have to come down to keep the payment constant right Right. so yeah we definitely saw marginally qualified people that fell in purchase power Um, but is that the norm no it's not i i didn't have of the 30 pre-qualified buyers i generally have in my hopper um, it's not like 10 of them fell out of qualification or were reduced to a point where they no longer could contend however what i did notice across the board is um, just a drop in enthusiasm and a drop in motivation a general idea that oh the the frenzy of this is kind of over and you know the all things equal the the bump in interest rate generally changed a person's payment from 2200 to 2300 that's not a a life-changing amount of money but just enough to kind of cool everybody off and um, slow that down and then I think also two more things here is people are frustrated that there's not enough for sale and they're like losing faith that they're going to find anything Um, And the the other thing is a couple like Sarah Meadows and slow the new housing tract I had several clients tell me that they were really disappointed in the way the project came together the the builders kind of changed the story and increased the prices dropped the square footage and you know felt like they were trying to get in on the housing market appreciation turnaround and you know so kind of you throw a lot of these things together and and oh and the final piece of it is some of these borrowers still think rates are going back down So they're kind of like oh well you know the economy is not any better than it was a year and a half ago i'm just going to sit tight and when rates go back to three and a quarter then i'm going to buy a house so commonly
1: you know last
6: year it's interesting last year the market at this time you know uh, march of 2013 you could go i was representing several buyers that were looking to buy either first-time homes or investment pieces down in the south county you know five cities area and there were a number, you know, 20, 15 to 20 homes available in the sub $400,000 range. Mm-hmm. And at that time, rates hadn't ratcheted up yet. And we were at the beginning of the year, even though I think the the appreciation last year was kind of front-end loaded. I think most of that appreciation took place in the beginning of the first half of the year. That's gone. There's, you know, and I can see why people would be losing their enthusiasm because what was available last year, that entry-level pricing, is no longer there. Yeah. And rates are now, what, 25% higher? Is that accurate?
5: Yeah, about yeah. that, 20 to 25% higher. I think, you know, June of last year, you could estimate for every $100,000 borrowed, your payment was going to be around 450 to $500 per month. And now it's probably closer to $550 to $600 per month per okay. 100,000 borrowed. I think the people that got left on the outside looking in as far as home qualification, if I were to put, you know, put them in a demographic, I would say they were the, the young first time home buyer, the mm-hmm. the renter looking to get into that entry level home. Um, a lot of those folks use low down payment purchase programs like USDA or FHA or even, even a conventional 5% down type of loan. And the debt to income ratios are more restrictive on those programs than say, if you come in with a 20% down payment and don't have to qualify for the mortgage insurance right. side. So I, I think those are the folks who got kind of left out
3: um, when the rates jumped up. So Greg, your, your experience then is to kind of summarize a little bit though, is that these entry level homes are gone.
6: That's, correct
3: you know Dan and I were Dan and I were talking about this this week there's a house in my neighborhood that I was checking out um, not to buy but just interested in in what was going on with it this home was purchased in 2010 and being sold uh, now and from what i can gather by way of public records so i'm not selling anybody's secrets out here from what they bought it for in 010 to what they're selling it for today was roughly a 10 percent appreciation so what happened to this 10 or 12 or whatever percent 20. year over year <laughs> that we've been hearing about. Yeah, people are supposed to have had all this equity. And, and Dan made the really poignant comment that it's not that every house has blanket appreciated by 20 percent over this last three, four years. That What happened is in the median home value going up we're no longer selling the inexpensive homes, we're now selling into the more expensive homes. So you can't really apply this metric that the house you bought for 300 is now worth 400 because of the two years of appreciation you've read about. The $300,000 houses seem to be gone, but there are houses that are selling for $400,000. They're just a different house. It's a different price category.
6: Right, well I, you know, that's, uh, interesting. My my record, I keep a really unscientific, unofficial chart of activity, primarily on the north north coast. But year in and year out, it has t- proved to be really accurate in terms of being able to uh, look at recent sales activity. I don't show, and I know my particular neck of the woods that I specialize in is not uh, typical of, say, San Luis Obispo proper. But I show. 2013 as being the first year that we really saw appreciation. I don't see 10% happening in 2011, 2012. I didn't see that. I didn't see appreciation begin again until last year. And it was about 12% for our area. And um, so that may explain your experience with that new listing you're talking
3: about what do you make what do you make of it right now i mean this week i i saw several emails um floating around that were announcing price reductions on real estate and and i thought that was interesting because in this you know just trying to marry all the logic together here we have a lack of supply still a pretty good demand though everyone agrees it's cooler than it was last year at this time um and things that are well priced in a good neighborhood and in good condition are still selling really fast. I mean really fast. yeah, um, priced right. So and what's the
6: that explains your your price reduction issue There is only one answer for that, and that is the property was overpriced when they when they put it on the market.
3: People just stabbing too high. And at the same time, it seems like the properties that are still being reduced in value are, were, from what I could see, were the ones that were still that, um, I don't even want to call it a move-up buyer, like the seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars $900,000 right. stuff yeah. is where you see Supremely. that.
6: The person that's going from the two-bedroom, two-bath up to the three- or four-bedroom, three-bath, which is a necessary part of a really healthy economy, uh, that just isn't happening right now. We had an honest-to-goodness frenzy for about three or four months last year during the springtime, and it oh, was, yeah. uh, I didn't care for it myself as a realtor. Um, and that was based on the fact that rates were low, prices hadn't gone up yet, and there were a lot of buyers out there. And I think what happened is, as we discussed, that low-end inventory disappeared. Interest rates shot up a percent, and rate and now prices were 10 percent or so higher than they had been at, at the beginning of the year. That takes the, the F right out of frenzy. You know,
4: yeah.
6: <laughs> um, there's just nothing there to, for people to get excited about anymore. And so now we just need there needs to be something that happens in the the overall picture that gets things roped up again. And a lot of people have said we're just going to go back to a more traditional seasonal market, and that may be the case.
3: You know, huh. it's hard to tell. Greg, thanks so much talk? for your call today. I definitely thanks, appreciate Greg. your input. You can you. call us anytime.
6: My my pleasure.
3: All right, take it easy. See um, yeah, we need to do a commercial break. We kind of went a little bit long there, but it was good to talk to Greg. So let's go ahead and take a commercial break here. We'll just be out for a couple minutes. We'll be back. We got more mortgage matters. Stick with us.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
2: For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
7: We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-loan. We're the mortgage on the Central Coast. Central, Central Coast, Coast Lending.
2: Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts.
1: What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state
0: state farm switch to state farm and you could save to find out more in san luis
8: obispo call agent susan rodriguez
3: Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We were running out of our um, off air fun time, but yes, uh, what I was sharing was uh, the White House hosted like a soul music night, and Obama came up to address everybody, and he, um, in reference to Aretha Franklin's respect, he intended to suavely spell the word respect like it is in the song most most of us can spell that word just because of the song and he said r p e t t and i was kind of like what what did what did you think Like, and it only could definitely be explained by something direct because he had a look on his face like, the speed track, where did it it go wrong? Or the teleprompter, maybe something. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So, we won't be spelling respect. Just, you know, you don't want to get found on a national soundbite of not being able to spell while addressing Aretha Franklin. (laughs)
5: It's kind of like that potato, potato thing. Remember that way back? Oh, sure. Dan, Dan Coyle and yeah. P.A. Oh, Does I, can have see, an I e can't even spell not. potato. <laughs> P.A. There we go.
3: That's why P-O-T-A-T-O-E. I didn't attempt to spell respect a minute ago. E. <laughs> uh oh. E. No. All right, all right, all right. And Dan, you made a funny in terms oh. of Greg's. Greg made the... Taking the F out of frenzy? We're just having a real estate frenzy? Yeah, it just turned right into a (laughs) (laughs) frenzy. Anybody seen my F? I lost my F and now we're just having a frenzy. That's kind of funny.
5: We might find it here
3: springtime. Yeah, get the the F back in your frenzy? I think we might. (laughs) That'd, That'd be fabulous. Don't you feel like
5: activities picked up just in the last few weeks?
3: yeah, definitely. Um, it sure seems that there are people coming out that are interested in um, selling again. Um and yeah, lots of buyers still. and And also some of the buyers I had that kind of went dormant through the winter are like back, wanting to check in, see what's going on in the market, see what they're still qualified for, um, and go poke around. The other thing we're seeing is a lot of folks re-entering the
5: housing market. Lately, folks who previously owned homes and who, for one reason or another, had to short sale or, you know, even foreclosure, let their home go that route. Yeah, they're they're back and they're interested in buying. They've recovered from, you know, either job loss or income decline. And and they're ready to get back in before the priced out again.
3: You know, Fannie Mae did this um, their program for that. I don't know what else to call it. I call it the reemerging borrower like this was a borrower that totally tanked and yeah they took a little while off and now they're back so fannie mae i don't think anybody ever expected them to be lenient at all on foreclosures but on short sales it was sort of talked about fannie mae was issuing some guidance back then saying hey if you are having trouble with your mortgage do a short sale, you're going to be looked upon more favorably if you do. And so now we know exactly what that means because they've got a rule now that after 24 months, after a short sale, if you have a 20% down payment, you can get yourself a Fannie Mae loan. Awesome. 24 months. I mean, and the, if you, if you're, if it's even possible to get a conventional loan, this is the best type of loan. It's, it's such a good loan. Um, no mortgage insurance, the costs are really low, everything about this loan is just ideal. And it's a bummer when something prevents you from being able to get that. So only 24 months after a short sale with a 20% down payment. And you, gotta, you also do have to prove some extenuating circumstances. If you can't document the extenuating circumstances, they've got it at 36 months, you can just um plead uh what they've called uh financial mismanagement oops i i didn't lose my job i didn't have a spouse die i didn't have any of these major life events that that destroy people i just i made a strategic money. decision yeah that's what it boils down to is that you decided to short sale um, and so but even there, only three years after a short sale, and um, it's 2014 now. So, 2011ers are coming out, and they they are. They're calling um, on our website, CentralCoastLending.com. We blogged all about um, those programs, and in attempts to help people find something, we know we see what they search for. So they they open up a web page at midnight on a Tuesday and they type in you know buy a house after my foreclosure so we try to write articles that will pull up on those results and explain to them what their up-to-date options are Um, that was our most reviewed blog last month was people coming out to get advice about uh, what programs exist uh, for them when they've had a foreclosure or a short sale or a bankruptcy, a loan modification, any of those kind of things go on in the last few years. Um, uh, we're helping those people, and that, that's that been pretty cool.
5: Yeah, and we've helped a few people recently with the FHA program. FHA has, has an even more aggressive program for folks who have extenuating circumstances, not financial mismanagement. Um, they'll entertain financing your home with their minimum three and a half percent down after just 12 months since a a major credit event
3: and people say yeah but what's the rate same it's the same same that's not a rate that's not something that they price risk for um they just give you the standard fha pricing but yeah, they're looking for some sort of extenuating circumstances. Um, those qualified events are generally um, loss of income by way of job, a spouse, like a, a broken marriage or, or even somebody um, passing away or getting sick because we had a couple that um, wife got cancer. And while she had cancer, um thankfully she lived but going through that whole thing they had a decline in income for a while and in doing so went through a foreclosure so this program if you can show that that you had a decline of at least 20 percent in income uh will make you eligible be able to buy again today and um so there are some programs with some leniency it's funny Sometimes people call in and they're shocked to know that they're not like considered filth and scum and are so pleased to be able to qualify. But then we get people that call in that don't yet qualify because it hasn't been enough time or they didn't have a qualified event, they just elected to not pay their bills. And they're horrified and upset that they can't borrow again today. And it's like, man, you only so recently just screwed the bank out of all this money because you you know, you know, didn't want to pay the mortgage and now you, you're upset they won't loan to you again. So the attitudes fall down the whole spectrum. But um, all in all, we do really enjoy giving people the help and advice uh, about all those different loan programs and what it means to get those loans after having some sort of financial trouble. Good one, Dan. Um, we we took our, our first break pretty late in the hour here, so we we do need to take a second break. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you have questions or comments, you can call in 543-8830, 543-8830. Give us a call. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. We'll be back after this short break with more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason. We'll be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543 8830
7: or 800 549 5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. -loan. We're the Mortgage experts
2: on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage
8: experts.
1: state of denial is a drag and a trial when i bought my cheap insurance should have known this day would come now i've had an accident and i'm feeling quite alone called them at least 20 times but they won't pick up the phone without personal service my policy's kind of worthless get to a better state state farm
0: switch to state farm and you can save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez
3: all right guys welcome back to mortgage matters It's just 10 to 11 here so we got a, a few minutes before we gotta do the uh, break I'm wondering what kind of topic you're prepared to develop in 10 minutes sir
5: well we were kind of on this line of discussion just about opportunities for folks to buy homes um, in in the market today so we we kind of covered the first-time homebuyer opportunities people who are re- returning to the market um, you know, we're starting to see homes in the higher price category move a little more frequently. And I, I thought it was a good opportunity to bring up a jumbo loan program that we have. Um, you can buy a home with just 10% down and no mortgage insurance on a jumbo loan up to $750,000. 750 loan amount.
3: 10% down. No, am I no mortgage insurance. And you know, the first bank I saw walking around advertising that I thought to myself, Oh, that's interesting. Now it's several banks. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a program that you can tell is growing in popularity. So that's an interesting one too. I feel like the people that this loan is going to help is, um, I've been talking to people the last few years that owe $900,000 on a home that is worth, Seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars, and they are interested in refinancing to get a lower rate. And you can, you can refinance on the program up to 85% loan to value. Yeah. So these guys, and and before that, though, I mean, the conforming loan limit was really capped at at 561, too, right? So Mm -hmm. you couldn't really get there with a conforming loan. They don't want to put 500 grand into their house or 300 grand. And then otherwise, the mortgage insurance companies didn't want to offer. Uh, Much so, you're usually limited to like somewhere in the 500,000 range at like a 65% loan-to-value. So there's a lot of people that owe a little bit more than that, and and maybe don't have a lot of equity, but um, now can refinance without needing mortgage insurance, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, if you're in between a loan amount of 560 and 750, that's a really smart thing to do. We don't have a lot of time left
5: this hour, but we have someone waiting patiently on the line. So let's squeeze this question in before we get forced out. We've got Janet calling from San Luis Obispo.
9: Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a, I've been here for a couple of years when I've been renting, but I have some property in another state that I'm planning on selling within the next year or so. What I'd like to know is I'm uh, an elderly person. I'm 76 years old, and I have uh, had not had a home mortgage for a long time, or any loan for that matter. Will I have trouble getting a loan? If I don't want, you know, I don't even know if I'll be able to pay cash for a house.
3: Well, first of all, Janet, um, 76 is the new 50. So. Oh, well, that's good to know. (laughs) No, but honestly, in terms of financing, the longest 30-year fix I ever gave to somebody was a a guy that was 92. Um, And I think most folks would agree it was pretty unlikely that he would live um, to be 100 and... 20 something um, and but the the actuality here it's illegal to discriminate based on age it's one of the protected classes so age has no impact whatsoever as long as you're over the age of 18 and legally allowed to enter a contract. So it cannot be taken into consideration. So if you so choose and can qualify, you can apply for any type of loan that you are interested in, including a 30-year fix, and there's no qualms about that at all.
5: And the fact that you have not had a mortgage for several years does not play into it at all either. The things that are gonna matter in your qualification are your credit score, your debt to income ratio and your your down payment, your your ability to verify assets. Okay. So I, I imagine that you're maybe on some kind of fixed
1: income?
9: Um well I have income from uh investments as well. My okay. credit score is about seven eighty, which is pretty high, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I I just haven't, you know, I I just haven't needed a loan in many, many years and so I haven't had one and I didn't know how badly that would affect my ability to, to get a real estate loan or a mortgage. But you're saying if I have the income uh, and can prove it, then...
5: Yeah, you have the income and you have credit history. I, I mean, you you may not have had a mortgage or, or auto loan or any, you know, those kind of loans for a while. But you've I'm no, undoubtedly had maybe credit cards, revolving exactly. trade lines. Yes. And so that keeps your credit... You know, current and and you've demonstrated over the, the course of your life an ability to repay debt. So, and and your score reflects that. So you're you're, you're credit-wise more than qualified to to okay. get a mortgage today.
9: Well, that's excellent. I enjoy your show very much. I hope you'll keep up with it.
10: Uh,
5: right. We will. Thanks a lot, Janet, for the call. Okay. Bye. Bye.
3: bye. That's always kind of a funny topic too. The guy that was 92 that got the 30-year fix and he said, "I can't believe you would loan me money for 30 years." I said, "You can't discriminate based on age. It's on a couple of the disclosures. It, it describes those protected classes, right? Um so it, well, and it's it there's no
5: risk in that to the bank. I mean, at, whenever you know, Death comes for that person, uh, and the loan still has remaining years left on the term. Something's going to have. That, that house is going to be inherited by relatives. It's going to be sold. Something's going to happen to it where that loan's going to be paid off.
3: The realtor joke, by the way, is that they, um, the family sells the house right away. Like so fast nobody nobody keeps those homes anymore Hmm. um which is kind of interesting i talk when i do counsel some of my older clients that um are working on estate planning and wanting to make sure that they have all their ducks in a row and stuff i always ask them about that you know they're into refinance it's like well what's your goal do you want to do a 10-year fix to ensure that this place is paid off or give yourself the best chance of paying it off um, before you die. Is that so that your kids can inherit a free and clear property? Is that the most important thing to you? Um, and oftentimes they're, they're like, well, i always wanted, it was my goal to pay my house off. And, um, no, I don't care to give my kids, you know, cause they either get the house with all of the equity or they get the money in the accounts. So it's kind of all the same to the estate anyway. Um, but yeah, they say that your your heirs will have a sign in the ground before your body's in the ground, <laughs> um, and so I do always invite people really to think about that though. Was what is going to happen when? What is your goal? And um, are are your heirs going to sell your house or would they be glad to have it? And there there is some. We don't have enough time to fully develop the topic here but there's some strategies about how to keep a loan like that in place so that it doesn't have to be paid off um maybe try to fly under the radar Um, there was one other little tidbit along the lines of janet qualifying
5: for a home just food for thought when when qualifying you know credit she had already demonstrated a good credit score and a history of good credit um, debt to income ratio is probably the next biggest factor in being able to qualify. And she knows what her income is. She said investments, maybe a little bit of fixed income. We're going to look at that income and if you have no other debt, you can basically qualify for a house payment up to about forty-five to fifty percent of. Yeah, that I always gross say it's half income. Yeah. So if
3: your taxes say eighty thousand on the year, then you could really qualify for about four thousand dollars a month in debt. And when you translate you know, that over into real estate, that's an insane. I mean, yeah, you're talking like a s- five-six hundred thousand dollar loan. So the reality of it is, is. You know, if you make 10000 a month, you're not going to get a $5,000 a month mortgage. That's a million-dollar house, you know. Um, but that's kind of a good little rule of thumb math is look look to, you know, maybe about half. 40% is probably a, a more conservative and safer number. Like, And you mentioned this earlier, but if you're going to use one of the USDA or FHA, those low down payment programs, generally speaking they're a little bit more strict on debt to income ratio and 40 percent would be more appropriate than 50. Um, but those are things that we help you guys with is identifying the programs you can qualify for and showing you uh, what it all means Um, so if you want any of that give us a call 543-LOAN which is 543-5626 It's almost 11 o'clock here, so we have the top of the hour break, which means we're going to be out for a few minutes. We're going to go freshen our coffees, and then we'll be back for another hour of Mortgage Matters. We hope that you'll stick around, too.
0: You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
3: All right, guys, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 11.05. Dan reminded me during our last commercial break here that I have a fantastic idea um, for something for you to do today. There we go.
5: Although it's so nice.
3: It is very nice. nice. This is the toss-up. And and we're, we're between ideas here of either taking the beach cruisers down to the Bob Jones bike trail, maybe riding out to Avila and... Checking out the beach and waves and stuff The other thing here is that um, the San Luis Obispo Symphony is doing their rehearsal today at the Performing Arts Center up at Cal Poly. The event's sponsored by Rabobank, so they cover the rental fee for the um, the pack today, and that makes it free to the public. So, um, and they're doing uh hosts the planets is what they're doing and from what i heard it's going to be pretty amazing um so that goes from one o'clock today to three o'clock and if you're interested you can go check it out um so what are you going to do well i have company visiting from out of town that seems more interested in going outdoor and doing the beachy thing instead of going to the symphony
5: Maybe you should let your oldest son decide here live on air.
3: I would decide to go to the symphony.
5: <laughs> Trey, Trey, it, what do you want to do? Or, do either of those options sound good to you? Yeah, right. You
3: don't. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like we're going to the beach. But anyway, if you guys are interested at all in learning a little bit more about that, go to slow symphony.org. They've got a great website with the information. And today being Saturday, March 8th, you can click on the link there and and read all about um, the piece that they're going to play today. I think it I think it'd be worthwhile. I wish I could go. Next time. There you go. Next time. Or I'll go to the one where you have to buy the tickets instead of going to the rehearsal one for free. All right, Daniel. You managed to get us through that entire first hour without talking about um, all of the data stuff. And uh, I, I see that you've got some news clippings over there. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, middle. we haven't
5: talked about unemployment at all. Really quickly, I just want to say we had a couple of great calls um, in the first hour of the show from Greg and Janet. Um, if you're out there and you have a question, uh, the only the only dumb question is the one you don't ask. We're here to help, so give us a call live in the studio 543-8830. three zero five four three eight eight three zero. We'd love to help you out um, with any kind of question related to mortgages or real estate. We'll be here for another hour.
3: Um, You also don't have to ask your question on the air if you're scared. um, You can always ask your question to Jim, and then he'll type it up onto the teleprompter for us. Uh, But we'll do our best to go easy on you if you want to call in and get your 15 seconds of fame.
5: So there was a good amount of news this week. I mean, obviously, the unemployment rate was was the much-awaited report of the week after a couple of really bad months of unemployment blamed on weather we've seen the weather thaw a little bit um think the polar vortex is gone and and now maybe the sun is poking through the clouds so uh, there was some optimism for a little bit better numbers in february and what do you think was it disappointing
3: i was shocked honestly um i chalked up a couple of things to this number one short month did the weather feel a whole lot better in the news and stuff for the last month i didn't think so i mean it still seemed there was a lot freezing um, a lot of places dealing with icy roads and closing for business i worried that we were going to find ourselves having the third month in a row of disappointing payrolls report um i i couldn't see this going well i couldn't really see how it could go well there was a little angel on my shoulder though saying that possibly there was some pent-up demand for job growth because the previous months were so bad and that maybe in spite of this people are just saying hey no matter what the weather is we got widgets to make and we need to hire some folks for that so i i really expected that we were um Going to see a rough number and you know that being said Two things we learned yesterday. Number one is that January was revised to a higher number than initially expected January was revised up to hundred and twenty nine thousand jobs and the month of February um expectations were for 149,000 jobs added in February and we found 175,000 jobs added in the month of February that's a pretty impressive gain in that month it it does to me point to that pointed um, kind of pent-up demand for jobs that now we we did we added a fair amount of payrolls and um, you know that that being said the unemployment rate actually climbed from 6.6 up to 6.7 percent and of course we blame um, people coming out to look for jobs that couldn't find them so not good that the unemployment rate went up but hey good to see a lot of good jobs being added Uh, first phone call we have to take here is rick calling from slow good morning welcome to mortgage matters
10: hi Um, i just have a a quick question Um, Can you tell me in today's market uh, how close appraisals are coming in to market value? I've been told by a couple or several realtors that oftentimes maybe because the market, the prices are rising, that appraisals are coming in
4: under the actual market value
3: um we are a pretty good gauge of this on account of we do both refinance and purchase loans so i I, that's a that refinance um, aspect is a view that the uh realtor segment of the community does not have um so we see refinance and purchase appraisals i would venture to go out on a limb here and say 95 to 98 percent of the time it's just as we expect Um, It's not hard to tell or to get a pretty general idea of what a home is worth in our county, especially when you do them day in and day out like us. We know that this pocket in Osos or that place up in Atascadero or over here off of Johnson and San Luis, we have a general idea of what we're looking at for a home value there anyway. The county assessor also posts the tax value of a home. We use things like Zillow to look at other recent solds and see what kind of price per square foot on bedroom count things sold for there. So on refinances, we're pretty good at anticipating a a value. And, And as far as the purchase goes, the appraiser in a purchase transaction is actually tasked with justifying the sales price he is he or she is given a copy of the um, purchase contract at the time the assessment is made so he knows what the um, property was listed for how long it was listed they generally know how many offers there were they know the terms of the offer as they see the full contract they also know if the seller is offering any kind of incentives or concessions to to strike the deal and it's very rare that we see an appraisal for a purchase loan come in below or above market value. It's almost always right at the actual sales price as depicted by the contract. So um, we don't find much variance in the appraised value really ever. It's Especially
5: now that there's more activity. There's more sales to sample from. And, and yeah, think, I, I haven't really seen appraisals be, uh, you know present problems with the transaction in quite a while. I I can't think of any.
3: And you'll see the appraiser make comment that there was seven offers, but you know, per the realtor, there were seven offers, two of which were cash, and that's why this one is a 1% over list price or something. And underwriting knows that that's kind of the case. I mean, that's the case in a lot of the country right now. There's a a really heavy um, demand on a lack of supply and when things are are selling for more than the recent comps, they do like a paired analysis to show that houses that sold 60 days ago sold for X and then 30 days ago sold for X. And so today on that trajectory, these ones should sell for more too. And there is some freedom there for them to be able to demonstrate appreciation um, they're not, their hands aren't just bound to be less than or equal to the last sale else. We'd never have appreciation, um, for anybody getting a loan anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
5: That's a great question, Rick. Really appreciate you calling in. Yeah, thanks. we have got another caller waiting patiently on the line. We've got Marilyn in San Luis Obispo.
11: Good afternoon. Well, no, almost,
5: fine. we're almost there.
11: <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm a widow and my husband died in two thousand. We had done a living will prior to his death, and the attorney um uh, put everything in trust. Well, I get the recorder's office
4: mm-hmm.
11: and accounts and whatever. Um, I'm going to be eighty three so I wondered if that's enough to do for, I assume, my children will probably sell the house. I don't know that for sure. So is there anything else that should be done with the recorder's office?
3: Um, Marilyn, I... First of all, getting into the estate planning side of this is definitely not our specialties. Um, I do wanna urge you though, to reach out to the attorney that set you guys up 10 years ago. And um, if you can't reach that person, it would be worth checking in with another um, local attorney. Things have changed a lot, and I understand that there's different ways to hold title to property that could be better protection. Um, and so, you know, I a friend of mine, Brad Liggett, that he's been on the show several times, was an estate attorney, has recently changed his practice um, away from doing the estate planning. But he always, and this is a no sales position here. I mean, he, he just shared information with me and he told me to just urge people um, that even every four years to just go get it checked up on to make sure that it's the way that it should be. And I'm fearful that that stuff being in a position of being 10 years old just might not be as up-to-date and the best that it can be. Um, you know, obviously your husband was particularly interested in making sure this stuff was set up right for you and the kids that you would... Um, keep as much of that as possible Uh, so I would I would just encourage you to reach out to a local estate attorney Um, if you can get to that same person great but just have it checked up on make sure it's all in good shape Um, keep everything uh, in the family as much as you possibly can
11: all right thank you
3: all right hey thanks for calling Marilyn we sure enjoy you all right let's see here what were we talking about? Unemployment. Unemployment. How how was the conversation going? It was going okay. Um, the unemployment rate dropped. No. No. The unemployment rate went up, and and you
5: mentioned that it was out- because more people are out looking now. now I was that just the, making sure the, you the were weather's listening. thought. Oh, I, I listened. All right. Um, and the number of jobs added last month were up. In fact, the what the number came out at one seventy five, one hundred seventy five thousand, yeah, five thousand jobs added, exceeding the expectations of one fifty. Um, a couple of things I'd like to note, you know, a lot of the reaction that you see in the stock market and bond markets are based on what the actual versus the expectation.
3: Yeah, we kind of priced towards the expectation a little bit,
5: right? But taking market. Mentality out of the equation altogether. The, I don't think the number was particularly strong. When you look at all of 2013, we averaged just shy of 200,000 jobs added per month. So this number was, was definitely lower.
3: It was a better F.
5: I don't know that I'd call it an
3: F. F plus, D minus, D
5: <laughs> yeah, minus. Maybe a D. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great number maybe perhaps given but the if weather, you grade on a curve okay. <laughs> though dan
3: and we look at the rest of the kids yeah. oh december and january our little february sure did learn the material i mean december and january this is the thing is it's sort of tempered against what we had was a bad expectation Right. Right. Something well off of the mark of the annualized pace that we need. But we were trying to give old little brother February a little break because December and January were so terrible. And then what happens is it beat those expectations. It was funny. I I was looking through articles on Thursday um, in in anticipation of what is to come for Friday morning. And so many people were saying things like. Man, I I really hope that it's not the third month of you know they said they were saying right. things like we just need more than a hundred thousand because if there's a third month which in is, a row which would be a pathetic showing horrible yeah but it would be the third month in a row and now you can no longer argue that it's you know it's a little blip that's a trend and a trend needs to be addressed pretty quickly. So um, from that standpoint, I do think that even though it still wasn't a great number, there was kind of a sigh of relief that we didn't have that it wasn't terrible. a terrible number. Yeah. Well, the other
5: the other thing I'd like to point out, and this kind of differs from a, a fact that you shared just a moment ago, private payroll processor, ADP, they're they're a big um, processor of payroll throughout the country. They said that January Jobs numbers were revised sharply lower. Interesting, nearly fifty thousand lower. So, you know, as I was preparing for the show this morning, I I looked at this thinking, well, gee, the the February number was was really as good as it was simply because January, you know, some of those jobs that we thought we gained in January really shifted over to February, and but you know we're getting some conflicting information. So. Does
3: ADP revise their number? Or yes, they, re- they revised their private payroll numbers. So okay. I know what
5: you're reporting is is the public, including public sector Correct. as well. Correct, yeah,
3: because I, I did see that the ADP that came out this month, um, private payroll, expectation was – an addition of 158,000 jobs, and they actually only posted 139,000. So they fell short of their expectations while the actual employment, like the total public um, number here, goes from an expected 149 to an actual 175. So they exceed expectations by nearly 20%, where ADP has about a 10% um lower rate than what they anticipated. It's funny to me that these numbers are kind of moving in opposite ways, yet they're addressing the same, essentially the same sector of the market, jobs added.
5: Yeah. And and then the other side of the employment report would be the jobless claims. And those, uh, they came out this week at 323,000 people applying for new jobless claims. It's an indicator of, of people being laid off recently. Um, that's a lot less than
3: expected. It's
5: less than expected, but, you know, again, taking away the expectations, because I really don't know what, I mean, expectations is really just some guy in a room throwing a dart, it seems like. What, I, what I'm what i noticing here is that we're kind of stuck in that 325-ish range, and, and we've been there. There's been a couple months where we've dipped below 300, but now we've come back up, and it seems like for the last year and a half or so, this is kind of where we've been, And this, this is a number that we noted, you know, throughout maybe the last year's worth of shows that this is a number that's consistent with even a healthy economy. Uh, I I think prior to the, the recession, we were seeing high 200s, low 300s, weekly jobless claims.
3: Yeah, that's right. So that's about the range. and so we're we're definitely close to it we we got down to it a couple of times i think one of it was one time it was a result of some computer glitch that occurred um but you know altogether together seeing this number down at 325 that's i feel like that's kind of good news that that is a pretty low number it was at 440 480 i mean there were some five big, six yeah 700s there was big for a numbers while. for a while yeah. um and you know, the other thing too is that it's winter time, and the weather has been kind of foul. And hopefully, before too long, we're going to turn the corner. At the same time, you got to remember, uh, the Feds have begun tapering that had some influence on the market. We've seen people wrangling now with a little bit of a slowdown in housing and whether or not there's confidence there. Uh the new home build numbers and that kind of stuff is, you know, hopefully trying to to grow some confidence in the general economy to where not only will they um, lay off less people or plan on laying less people off but also that they would advertise and create jobs um, showing that um, demand for products too will remain strong in coming months it, it, it's also tied into that the consumer confidence type of numbers we see if if people are excited about the prospect of a better tomorrow they're going to feel good about being at work, their productivity and confidence is going to lead to um, the, the companies that are producing goods to be able to hire and invest capital and get that to the market so that people can go out and consume them and the engine fires on all cylinders. So we're, we, we like we work towards that, but we can't seem to get everything moving at once, you know, sometimes I feel like it's a square wheel you know clunking along yeah it's like (laughs) you know you get up on end and you're like all right here we go here we go here we go here we go bam okay now yeah we gotta we we do have to still roll so start going again and it's just slow kind of going through these cycles and trying to get everything working at the same time we had housing really cranking good then the appreciation got to where everyone got freaked out. And I do think that's why the feds intervened a little bit, cool that off. Um, And now it's jobs turn to get up to snuff. We're
5: at 26 past the hour. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break. We've had some great calls so far. Um, Excellent questions. We have time for more. If you want to give us a call here live in the studio, 543-8830, 543-8830. Ask your question on or off the air. I'm really excited to hear what kind of music Jim's going to bring us back with that ties in with our theme. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters.
0: To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages
2: from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
1: What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State
0: Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
7: We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
2: Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central
8: Coast Lending, the mortgage experts
5: Sounds like it might be a beach day.
2: Yeah. He's trying to prompt you more into feeling like going to the beach. I know your son wants to go to the beach. He doesn't want to go on a symphony show. He always wants so to go to no the beach. Symphony. Does he Even not he? He knows what a symphony is. He's he, over there smiling. He
3: plays upright bass in an orchestra. He knows what a symphony is. <laughs> He's toying you, man. He wants to go to the beach. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All righty. Um,
5: we had a call off-air during the break. Um, two, actually, yeah, two. Right. We had a caller from Paso Robles asking about the impact on home values in Paso Robles um, now that we know that there's a water issue. And, and how, how is that water issue going to impact home values up in Paso? You want to start?
3: Yeah. A common sense is if you've got a water issue... Um, then you've got a building issue. Well, you got a buyer (laughs) issue. How many people want to? If they're like, yeah, I'm going to buy a house in North County. What's available? Well, you can go to Santa Margarita, Tascadero, Creston. You know, you name it. Get out all around. And then there's these properties up here where there's a well problem. Um, That is going to impact the qualified buyers. There, um, to my knowledge, there are houses that are completely. Out of water not pumping water on their property anymore those guys aren't gonna be able to sell but like a fires somebody's gonna come along and buy their property that um, you know can afford to hang on to it until there's water again and is gonna expect a pretty penny to do so um, it, it made a little bit of headlines this week but um, Paso Robles has banned the drilling of new groundwater wells within the city limits until February of 2016 including in that ban is also um, they're prohibiting the modification of existing wells um, to increase groundwater extraction. So does that mean there are places in Paso now where you can't drill a new well if your well has gone dry and also places where you can't even drop your pump or uh, modify your well to extract additional water. So it's definitely a water crisis. Um, I can't say that it's impacted people's property by X percent. However,
5: I don't think it's impacted yet, but I think going forward, I mean, you're talking about a two-year well, we, moratorium on wells. That's going to impact building, which I think is going to – I mean, I look at other communities that have building moratorium-type issues, and you're looking at Cayucas, maybe Cambria, Cambria Osos. Osos. Um, you know, we've seen different pricing issues. Issues going on in those communities some communities it's positively impacted the value and in others. It's it's maybe kept things flat two
3: things about it Number one, we have a client that I talked to just recently he has a house in Paso He's owned for years and years and years and Recently um, Like a year and a half ago began prepping it to sell it was his goal to sell it and change that allocate that money into a new investment Right when it was getting ready to go on the market was when the water stuff started and it went where his house is went from Actively demanded like you couldn't offer it for sale without getting 10 offers to Hasn't been able to get an offer on it in a long time.
5: Yeah, it could so, definitely scare people off on the other hand the folks who have strong wells and you know are already have their home so there might be more demand for that
3: home. and is there an opportunity that lies there Yesterday, I was on the phone with a friend of ours from Los Osos that factored in uh, uh, the sewer thing to what it meant to his accountability or, or um, accounting in his property. Said he estimated that it impacted the property value for his home by one hundred twenty-five thousand. So now that the sewer thing's pretty well underway, he feels pleased to have discounted his property by 125000 when he bought it and paid $25,000 out the sewer. Actually feels like made some money based on other people's fear and lack of ability to see through the trees here. So that being said, it, there is no one-size-fits-all. I don't know exactly what that number is, but there's a couple reasons why it could be a great opportunity to get out there and gobble some stuff up. This week, it was also announced that we're likely to have an El Nino year at the end of the summer. So maybe these reservoirs and lakes end up full again, and... Um, it's a known issue. Less maybe. of an issue. We've got
5: uh, another caller waiting on the line. We've got Beverly in San Luis.
10: Hi, thank you for taking my call. I just tuned in, so I hope you haven't covered this, but I'm wondering your insight of appraisal uh, for income property, say single-family income property in the Orchard, uh, uh, Santa Maria uh San Luis Obispo, um, compared to appreciation um, as Santa Barbara County versus our county, um, being that prices are obviously a lot lower in Orchid than here, but um, what your thoughts are uh, as far as appreciation for an income property?
3: Sure. In okay. orchid. Yeah. So... Well, f- Sure. And do you want to stay on the line, or you just want us to talk uh, about um, it?
10: I'll stay on the line. Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, so, in terms of the appraisal, there's really three components to every appraisal that um, people may or may not be aware of. Number one is there's there's a cost approach. What does it take to build this property in terms of the actual construction costs? And there's some guides that are used, like the Marshall and Swift, but Basically, by going through this exercise, an appraiser can determine that uh, the cost approach to indicate that this this property might cost $300,000 in labor and materials to build. Then the the next approach um, is the... Uh, market approach, which compares that property in the market, right? I mean how many people are around? what's the interest yeah. in it? Are there other comps similar to it that have demonstrated demand? That too yields a number. And then the final one is what we call the income approach. And the income approach is um, takes into consideration based on the rents received or ability to generate income from a property what that means the value of this property is likely to be. When we do an appraisal on an investment property, that income approach is always generated. Oftentimes on other properties where they're owner-occupied, there's not. it's either not completed or just not much emphasis given to it. There are two additional forms that we use on every um, investment property appraisal where rents are being taken into consideration. This is an operating income statement and then also a comparable rent schedule where they'll take into consideration a property manager that maybe has a good grasp on comparable rentals and and attempt to give a rent value that way too. So all that being said, I know you're probably not specifically asking about what's in an appraisal, but those are the documents or pieces of information in an appraisal that we look for when we're evaluating this. I think just for me, Taking off my underwriter, lender, real estate professional hat and just looking at it, um, there are some differences in being part of SLO County versus being part of San Bernardino or Santa Barbara County, rather. Um, And obviously, one of them is, um, I would venture to guess that Orkut is more owner-occupied in nature Mm -hmm. than is San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. And we, I don't feel as tuned into the orchid community as I do to, you know, like the areas that are up here, Atascadera, Osos, all of that. Um, But just the nature of that, suggesting that things are more owner-occupied means there's naturally going to be less speculation in it. Which is what's holding those prices down. There's not people lining up in droves to own uh, Cal Poly rental housing in Orchid. So, from that standpoint, it's it it is kind of about that supply and demand. And um, you know, it. I don't get the sense that you're asking if one's better than the other. Um, but uh, that being said, after everything I've right. I've shared, tell me um, if that sheds any clarity on it well, or, it's or more
10: of a, of a question i mean in terms of and i i know this is a hard one but we're you know the appreciation is going to be five ten years down the line um you know because i know like all over a year ago prices were you know 20 percent less almost across the board so i haven't said that you know paying 20 percent more than it would have been a year ago but I would ex- you know, i'm just, Still seeing that because of what prices are there compared to here, that you know there may be a really good um, in terms of appreciation that I'm making a good investment uh, overall
4: sure. in, in a
10: single family because it's, it's simply purchasing there because it's uh, more affordable that I'm putting 20, 30 percent down, so I could put a little less down, you know, versus sure. the same house in our city proper. So I'm hoping that it's just going to appreciate it. just wondering, you know, your insight in terms of, you know, w- what it may be worth, you know, three, five years uh, into into it.
5: I, I think you bring up a good point with the, the pricing differences between, you know, say San Luis Obispo City and, and somewhere like San Maria or, or Orkut. Yeah. I, I think you do have more affordability in the Orchid area as compared to Maybe some other cities in our in San Luis Obispo County. Um, I think in general, across all counties, across the state, country, we're going to see a lot more modest depreciation. Modest, probably right. that mm-hmm. three, you know, anywhere from zero to to maybe as high as five percent going okay. forward. Okay. Um, but because there are the prices are more affordable in that orchid area, it's probably going to remain. Stronger there's more buyers that can qualify for those homes. There's feel. gonna be more yeah. opportunity for a, a buyer there mm-hmm. So I, I think that's gonna keep that market maybe a, a slight ever so slightly stronger But like Jason brings up there isn't necessarily the rental demand that also impacts the uh, Prices as well. So, you know taking in all those factors. I think it's gonna be similar across the board. Great. Okay.
3: Yeah. Well, thank you very
10: much. It's very helpful. And thanks for your show. Thank you. Uh, Have a great one. That's
3: a tough question. (laughs) I feel as though there's another aspect of this that's worth discussing, though. Um, And this is that real estate is all about supply and demand. I don't feel like I'm an expert on that North Santa Barbara County area. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, as a rule where would you believe it's more likely that housing is going to be built though in the next five years probably down there yeah down in san Marino. you know yeah, and yeah. slows have this like i don't know what it is the zero growth the or one percent growth, growth. Yeah. but yeah it's we've got this idea that we don't need to build anything and this last sort of recession showed us that um like that how i called it a little recession it was a depression a couple years ago um, but the the reality is is that we recognize that it's it's not a great practice to not be constructing new homes it it creates a real problem there's a lack of health in the market where the people within the community can't move around freely you can't get pregnant with your fourth child and know that now you're going from a two bedroom to a three bedroom or what have you you can't get to that with any confidence you you can't put your house on the market because you may end up having to go rent against the 80 applicants that are all coming for this house you know because there's not enough houses either and you remember when they built the cali the cal poly canyon um, dorms it was like oh this is going to destroy the value of housing in san luis because it's all about the bedroom count and <laughs> blah 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 nonsense if anything it's remained exactly the same the housing market around here is cutthroat because we don't build enough yes there's some tracks that have been going in around here but there are more tracks that are going in in those bedroom communities and you know orchid's kind of a bedroom community to to santa maria and to arroyo grande and to um uh lompoc so there's in, in that sense i gotta believe that if you're a developer, are you more likely to try to plan out and implement a tract here in San Luis Obispo? Or are you going to put one down um, somewhere in the outskirts of Santa Maria or Orcutt? And if so, that I think is going to keep prices soft of existing inventory. So I don't love to totally confuse the matter, but as long as we're sitting down over a cocktail talking about this, I'm going to I'm going to spin the argument this way. The Value of San Luis Obispo real estate is artificially high. It's held high by practices such as anti-growth type of mentality and ordinances. It's held high by proximity of the university and the demand. It's held high by the value um, in rents, the fact that homes in San Luis Obispo will rent for 8 to nine hundred dollars a bedroom and you will not get that in orchid it's held high by the fact that this is the economic hub for our area and the people that can live where they work in san Luis are the ones that are the high income earners so it keeps it prestigious and um, exclusive Uh, all of that being said yeah there is a higher ticket to entry here you do for buying equal square footage from Orchid to San Luis, you are going to pay a premium here. Um, you are going to have to make a bigger down payment because twenty percent of seven hundred grand is twenty percent um, is more than twenty percent of four hundred grand. All of that stuff being equal, in San Luis Obispo proper, you're you're benefiting from all of those artificial forces that keep real estate at a premium, and I don't think many of those exist in the bedroom communities around our county
5: well i don't know that it's i would call it artificial i think those are just factors of of what keeps values high i think that i mean okay. that hasn't changed in the 15 I, years I you and i have lived around here those, i don't mean artificial such that
3: it's like they're not worth you know they're they're not natural or ordinary or customary i i really mean that it's what makes You're it not going to find that in the Marshall and Swift guide of what it costs to build a house and how the cost of the value is, but you, sure. but you see it in the the income approach of an appraisal. Hey, this four bedroom house is going to rent for three thousand dollars a month, for thirty four hundred dollars a month, for thirty six hundred dollars a month. There's a four bedroom house in Bakersfield today renting for three fifty a month. That doesn't mean you should race to buy one in Bakersfield, you know. So. Yeah.
5: I, I'm thinking back to earlier in the show here when we were t- when um, Greg called. This was like the first half hour of the show when we're talking about who, losing our F and frenzy. Well, yeah, and who got excluded from buying a home? And it's that young first-time homebuyer. Those are the folks who, rather than just giving up on buying altogether, might re commute a little farther. Yeah, they might decide on just a different location, and so they're now going to look in the you know Napomo, Santa Maria, orchid areas for a house that they can still afford. Um, And so, you know, you just have different things going on in these different communities that impact housing. I think overall the Central Coast is a desirable place to live. Some people prefer that bedroom community
3: versus being right in the, the county seat. I saw an article this week suggesting that the cancer rates here are like ballooning, only to be attributed to Diablo. Ah oh yeah
5: maybe it's just not as desirable maybe i'm just
3: i mentality we're getting poisoned right now (laughs) yeah i san luis obispo should stop making these lists of the 10 best places in the world kind of thing and start we should just put up a website that says it sucks here don't come it's terrible it's horrible if but you don't surf th- don't start yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's <not> cloudy <laughs> it's cloudy here when you boy when you get out of your car over here at the costco that wind is just yeah. always ripping down los osos valley Blood road sucks, they got it roads are torn up out yeah. there from the sewer there's a this gridlock that happens in shell beach at 5 30 every day just steer clear. Yeah. Go you know, you don't stay in LA. You don't want to line up to come here. <laughs> Trust
5: me. Trust. All right. me. We got to take our last break of the uh, of the show. Thank our sponsors. Please listen to these um these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling
2: 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com.
7: We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending
2: Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending The Mortgage Experts
1: What a state of generosity Look what my agent got for me Just by switching to State Farm A few hundred unexpected bucks I couldn't ask for more But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state state farm
0: switch to state farm and you can save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason, from Central Coast Lending.
7: I, I love the colorful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair the sound of
3: GDP's not looking good. Uh oh. Uh oh. That's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes.
5: Uh, I don't know. I think we're going to take a phone call instead. Really? I think so. Instead of
3: GDP? Yeah, it's not that exciting. Dude, GDP, man. That's what it's all about. This is a measure of our country's awesomeness. (laughs) And it's not looking good. You know what's
5: exciting? This is Unemployment Week. All right. This is Unemployment Week. You know what's good about more people being hired? Is Mm. that eventually we're going to get to a place where the employees are going to start to feel some wage growth. Because it's going to be a more competitive... um, environment for the employers to find those best employees right now things are out of balance where there's so many people on the sidelines they that can they just can give a keep, chump wage keep wages flat we're going to get to this point where there's going to be some competition for those best folks and we're going to start to see a little bit of wage growth and i don't think we're very far off now you know i mean unemployment rates down in the sixes and our you know, nation's president hiring. was
3: out campaigning this week to increase Minimum wage is that you are talking about?
5: No, I'm not talking about that. I'm <laughs> talking about actual, um, you know,
3: supply and demand
5: of of quality workers. Yeah, that's what I'm understood. About. You I, know, and and that's where I think the the good earnings wage are, growth will occur. Yeah, it's not going to be from just saying here's your minimum because then you just find people stuck at that minimum for longer, right? Sure. Um, so that that's exciting and that's something that was pointed out in this jobs report out of our nation's capital Washington DC Just a reminder Washington. Um, got the content police over here making sure we get the buzzwords in. Um, yeah this is a, this is an economist for Bank of the West out of San Francisco saying that that's that's one of the highlights to look forward to here um, before too long that the lower unemployment rate will begin to boost wages. Also noting that while we saw 175,000 jobs added, underlying growth is actually better than that. Again, still being Uh held down a little bit by weather um, throughout much of February. So maybe things aren't that bleak when it comes to jobs. Maybe so. Locally our unemployment rate went up No way. Why? San Luis Obispo County saw our unemployment rate go from 5.8 to 6.2%. Well, that's a big December deal. to January. Why? Um, I, I think we're here with seasonality again. It's still a percent and a half lower than one year ago.
3: Diablo is just doing an outage right now. We're building all those solar farms. Maybe got hotels being constructed.
5: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't The know. heck, man. We've got a smaller pool of workers here, so that you know we might see larger fluctuations. So that's something to note. And then um, state of California. State of California is actually we saw the um, unemployment rate drop drop decline drop sounds like it free fell down now it declined from 8.3 to 8.1% um, state of california and year over year we're looking at almost a percent and a half lower
3: that's good solid solid numbers mm all right admissions to colleges and applications are at all-time highs as people have just been pressing into get a degree since they can't get a good job what does that do there's got to be some metric that measures that as well turning out like these additional masters and doctors and um you know people with a second major all this stuff coming out perhaps that will lead to some of that wage growth you discussed too be nice do you want to talk about GDP at all are you interested in GDP? You're not that interested in GDP. I'm, inter- I'm interested. What, what do you have to say about GDP? I don't know. I mean, GDP in the um, third quarter there of 2013 was at 4.1%. You remember that? Yeah, third yeah. quarter? That yeah, was a it was long really cranking, though. Yeah. And then fourth quarter. Remember, it was 3.2, and then and you shared this a month or so ago that a part of that increase in the fourth quarter GDP was a result of um, inventories. Remember that little component?
5: Yeah, companies boosting their their supply in their warehouse, anticipating anticipating
3: better sales, better sales. And so we learned this week that the number has now been cut down from that 3.2 down to 2.4. So just just showing that the overall economy is losing a little bit of steam, maybe some of the the pessimism kind of reigning over it. Well, Uh, and
5: unfortunately, again possibly influenced by weather they're anticipating that that number is going to continue to slide here in the first quarter. Once, once we complete the first quarter and we start to see those first quarter readings that it's, it's expected to be in the low twos at best. Um, so yeah, but you know, it's a lagging indicator. So there's a little bit less weight I think put on that. Um, I think more, more so. We're we're looking at. It's still all about jobs and housing. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what it what it comes down to: jobs and housing. Jobs are. They're trying, they're trying to get better. Housing, we've seen it strong. It's cooled, but it's still it's still going along, and, you know, everything I read and, and hear on TV, they talk about it's, it's really it's housing that got us. That took us down, and it's housing that has to pick us back up. Um, And we often talk about how many jobs, you know, when you really think about it, how many jobs do depend on on housing? And it's so so many. It it really, I mean, you could almost make a case that it impacts everything, um, because it's it's where we live, it's where we raise families, it's it's um, it's shelter. So it's it does. I mean, that that's where you put the couch. It's where you park the car. It's all. It's everything.
3: Right. Um. The last article I didn't get to share today is that half of people have never refinanced. Um, half of the homeowners out there, in spite of these low rates and aggressive programs and um, all of the assistance available, half of the homeowners had never reached out and refinanced. And and the vast majority of homeowners who haven't refinanced it's not that they tried and didn't qualify they never even tried so if you guys have an interest rate that's any higher than four and a half or you have an adjustable rate loan or you have a second lien or you have mortgage insurance um, or you have a term that you're interested maybe instead of paying your house off in 25 years you'd like to pay it off in 15 i would love to hear from you this week Um, we'll get your rate down we'll get your rate fixed we'll pay off your line of credit we'll solve any of those issues for you or at least give you good advice on how you may remedy yourself of those issues so um, give us a call this week if you have any needs at all Um, the number to our office is 543-LOAN which is 543-5626 alternatively you can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com Um, There we're blogging about these great programs. We're sharing information about qualification, interest rates. We've got economic updates, uh, professional insight articles from local professionals around our community and economy that are offering their services here for you so check us out central give us a call we're 543 loan love to hear from you and we'd love to help you out we'll be back next week for another episode of mortgage matters thanks so much for being with us thanks especially to all of our callers today it makes it fun for us to have a interactive show have a great week we'll see you next time